Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Kuninagel podcast series, Shipping Insights. I'm your host, Sarah Vollmer, Vice President of Global Sea Logistics Customer Engagement and Events at Kuninago. You and I are about to embark on an exciting journey through the world of sea freight. I've been fortunate enough to have a front row seat to this industry's ups and downs over the past two decades. Now it's my pleasure to bring to you the latest developments, innovations, and solutions in this dynamic industry. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just curious about logistics, get ready for enlightening conversations and expert insights in our latest episode. Let's dive into the fascinating world of sea freight together and welcome our latest guest. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to our podcast series, Kuninagel's Shipping Insights. I'm your host, Sarah Fulmer, and today we're talking about resilient supply chains, or better yet, building resilient supply chains. So with me, I have a great guest, Yutaka. Yutaka, welcome. Why don't you take a few minutes and introduce yourselves to our viewers? Thank you, Sarah. Um, Thank you for inviting me to this podcast. Um, My name is Yutaka Matsuyoshi. Uh, I am the head of international supply chain for Kunenagel, based out of lovely Schindelegi in Switzerland. Um, my area of responsibility is I provide order management and freight management services uh, to our customers around the world. Um, I am with around 20 plus years in the industry. Um, I'm relatively new to Kunenago. Um, I just joined last year. So prior to joining Kunenago, um, I used to work for a very large lifestyle customer um, for nine years, managing their inbound supply chain, um, including three years of some painful pandemic crisis management. Um, and before that, I also worked for a shipping company um, in various locations. I lived around the world um, in the US, in the UK, Shanghai, Hong Kong, and as said, now uh, happily based out of Switzerland. So that's a little bit about myself. Wow. Okay. Well, we're going to get into some of these uh, these challenges we've had over the past few years. But you mentioned international supply chain, and then you mentioned order management and freight management. Is that all connected together? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, most of our customers that uh, we work with are customers who has production around the world, you know, predominantly in places like Asia, shipping to destinations in Europe or into the United States. So the nature of their business is international. And we provide services for them, whether it is managing their purchase orders on their behalf. So that is order management. So we take a copy of their purchase order and we ensure that these purchase orders and what's what's linked to this purchase order is delivered on time in full. Um, but we also do a similar service more on the freight or container shipment level, um, where we manage customers' contracts with different uh, shipping lines or trucking companies or even air freight forwarders in ensuring that 
their products are secured and shipped um, as well. So it's all very much interlinked. Um, it's all about supporting our customers and ensuring that they get their products um, to ensure availability. Okay, good stuff. Thank you for that in-depth explanation. So let's talk a bit, you know, we're all very familiar at this point about the numerous challenges we've had over the last few years. But now as we've come out of that, how have strategies and supply chains changed? I mean, as you said yourself, you spent many years with a global luxury or lifestyle brand. What are they thinking now? How how have things changed for them? Yes, I see a very, very big change coming out of the pandemic. And I'll talk a little bit more about that later. But there's, of course, different groups of companies um, who has kind of taken different measures or steps over the course of the last 12 months. But what I see consistently right now is a new group of challenges that the customers are facing. You know, back during the pandemic, it was all about how do I get my products out of the origins through a congested infrastructure, avoid the lockdowns, and figure out, you know, where it is and 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 discussing how much I need to pay, mm-hmm. you know, um, when it comes to the astronomical amount of freight and uh, storage charges that was coming at uh, uh, the customers every uh, every single day. Today, this has changed into how do I deal with inflation? Um, how do I deal with the over inventory and excess, you know, stock that I have um, in my warehouse? And how do I switch what I have in my destination warehouse with fresh products that I have at the factories at the origin? Because now there's the seasons are changing. Right. So the the challenges that the customers are dealing with has changed dramatically. Um, over the last uh, 12 months. And also, I think the freight industry, especially in the shipping world, um, we have seen also a significant decline in products moving around the world. Um, I think the latest statistics shows around a 9% decline uh, compared to last last year, same period, um, year to date. But on the other hand, there's more ships um, to carry products. So there's approximately four or five more percentage points of additional capacity. So there's no more issues around capacity or infrastructure mm-hmm. constraints. Um, it's really more about the geopolitical pressures and the inventory issues that the customers are now dealing with. Right. Well, you know, we hear it a lot, you know, comparing 2023 to 2022. We talked about it in 2022 versus 21. But really now it's it's really comparing back to 2019, right? It's pre-pandemic. And with that being said, you know, do you feel that the customers are reverting back to the way of thinking of, of 2019 in terms of how they manage their supply chains? Or are they taking lessons learned from the pandemic and then evolving their supply chains? It's a very good question, Sarah. And we've been observing these uh, different customer behaviors 
um, over the course of the last six months or so. Um, unfortunately, we see a group of customers that has really turned back pretty much in the same old way that they used to operate in 2019, which oh. in fact was the way that was operated over the last 20, 30, maybe even longer years. So, oh, so they just they just hit the rewind button, huh? Yeah, press the button um, back, you know, back to 2019 and pretend everything has not happened. But we do see a group of customers that is looking at diversifying their sourcing uh, patterns. So mm-hmm. moving into different countries other than the typical China, Vietnam, Indonesia, we see a lot of customers going into the Latin Americas, also the Eastern European, Middle Eastern, African regions to create you know, a more diversified uh, production network. Um, so definitely there's customers that's taking some of the learnings in. There's also customers that is looking into technology. And mm-hmm. I think one thing you could say is, which is very different between 2019 and today is there's so much technology options, digital options out there now. So some of the customers are looking at how can they utilize these different softwares and uh, digital solutions that's come out? How can they potentially insource some of their operations and bring it back in-house to potentially save some of the costs that they're paying to outsource some of the uh, work um, and utilize these technology? So we do see some of these uh, measures that customers are uh, taking um, post-pandemic, so to speak. Okay. Well, let let me ask you a little bit about technology. I, I feel over the last couple of years since we've started doing these, you know, technology always seems to rear itself, right? Have there been improvements, you know, in the last couple of years in terms of the technology? Because I think there was always a fair amount that was out there. Um, and then some would maybe challenge the efficacy, right, of, of some of the options. Have you seen now a, a vast improvement in terms of the capabilities of the of the various platforms that are out there? I think there it would be fair to say there was improvements, but improvements in the area of an intuitive user interface or, okay. you know, tools that gives the users, you know, uh, a good understanding of what they're actually looking at. Though I think in the past, there were tools that did the same thing. Maybe it was just not as good of looking as it is mm-hmm. now. So there's there's um, there's significant improvements, I think, from a UI point of view. Where I do not think there hasn't been a lot of improvements was what goes into those tools and mm-hmm. how it's being captured into those in, into those platforms. I think we still struggle as an industry tremendously with mm-hmm. the quality of data, and because the tools has become more easier, more friendly. There's even more data and data points that you can actually start looking into. But I also see 
in a, quite a number of situations where customers are just completely overwhelmed with the amount of data and amount of information that they now see on the different digital solutions that they have acquired. That to me is a big challenge. Right. So, right. It's it's not just about you have a lot of data and you think, how, how do I make sense of this? But as we both know, right, at the same time, the data that you have in hands might not even be correct. So you could be trying to analyze data that, you know, for a milestone or whatever it might be, that's Happened in the, it's a future one. I mean, I guess we, we happen, we happen to our DeLoreans sometimes, right? And uh, uh, hopefully people get that reference out there listening. Uh, and, you know, so it's, it's, there's a lot of data to look at. And then it's how in the heck do you make sense of the data? And then is the data correct at the end of the day? Correct. You know, and, and when you go into, okay, when is my product arriving? When is the right. estimated time of arrival? Um, you get five different dates from five different sources, and you mm -hmm. actually now have access um, in a nice way um, to actually see that. Um, so you would be scratching your head, okay, which arrival date am I going to trust? Same goes with picking the right sailing schedule. You might have the same vessel with right. different departure dates or different ports of calling or depending on where that data comes from and mm -hmm. how frequently these uh, data points are being updated. It varies so much. And it's because I think people have tried to do a lot in making updates all the time. It's also creating even more inconsistencies in my view at the moment. So I find it a big challenge for okay. customers and also for ourselves as well. Right, right. Well, how do we see around this, right? What is there a solution or multiple solutions in order to solve some of these challenges? I wish I had like the ultimate silver bullet <laughs> for, for this and say, look, here's what you need to do and all your problems will go away. Um, right. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to get to that yet. Maybe I will one day. Um, well, but, you heard um, it here first. You talk, we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think one of the things that I discuss with customers um, oftentimes is be clear yourself on what matters and what is most important for you. Um, you might be dealing with tens of thousands of articles and millions of purchase orders or shipments um, right. every day. But of course, all of these shipments are extremely important. We fully understand that. But mm -hmm. right. there are products that matters. There are, you know, orders that just cannot be late. And try to segment your products in a way where you can actually see these are the ones that I can never, ever, ever, you know, screw up. These are maybe the next important group of products. And the last are replenishment. If it's late by a week or two, mm -hmm. I will survive. And start building tactics around what you have segmented 
that helps you start to realize what is really, really most important and where you want to focus your uh, resources on. And when you start looking at, let's say, the most important uh, products or orders that you cannot fail on, you should start asking yourself, okay, what are the most critical milestones and information that you really need that action will trigger an action that you could take right uh, an action or a decision just exactly. something right something triggering a next step triggering something because oftentimes you know you might end up with 30 40 different milestones from production to the destination dc mm-hmm. but you I'm pretty sure you may not need all of these steps along the way. I think there are these certain moments, the critical moments um, that will be most important for you um, and, and really define that and, and ensure you understand that and ensure what are the actions, what are the decisions you want to take uh, from those milestones in case something does not happen um, accordingly. Share those with a partner. A mm-hmm. logistics service provider, I think it's also very important that this is also shared and the goals are aligned. I also see now sitting in the service provider world, it is very hard to determine which consignment is important and which may not be. Again, I'm not saying one is not. I think everything is important, but there are certain products, I'm sure, in all customers that is critical. Right, right. And and having access, as you just said, right, you know, having access to that information, whether it's a, a call, an email, whatever it might be, is paramount so that the provider, whether it's us, somebody else can can assist here and, and properly also prioritize on our front. Absolutely. Very, very good piece of advice, Yutaka. Thank you very much. <laughs> So I think with that, you know, I always like to ask kind of forward-looking questions, you know, in, in Utaka's world, what's coming next? What is, what's going to happen, you know, your cloudy crystal ball, so to say, what's going to happen, you know, the rest of the year and in 2024? Are there any new trends that you see coming from an international supply chain perspective or, you know, other than the most amazing piece of advice you just gave. Is there anything else that you'd want our listeners to be mindful of? I think when I look at, you know, the different indicators, the metrics that we have around macroeconomics, it doesn't look as if we're going to have a big rebound and suddenly we start producing again and everybody starts buying again and there's Mm going to be a lot of products flowing around the world would be unlikely um, from what the crystal ball says for now. So I think we would still have a rather slow movement around uh, the international flows of products. And that would mean customers will still continue to have the challenge of ensuring inventory levels are optimized and cost control is uh, is of paramount um, importance. So I don't think there will be, hopefully, a big disruption, but we never know. But unless there is, you know, some sort of big disruption again, this is kind of what I'm seeing as far as the 
macroeconomics are concerned. I think you know the sourcing shifts will also continue and accelerate. I think there will be also a number of rationalization of the digital players. I think there's been quite a number of players that has come in. Now I think we are seeing sort of some consolidation and rationalization and there will be maybe a little bit less than what we have um today. But these are, you know, predictions looking at the crystal balls it could be a completely different picture you never know well that's why we're all in this business right so <laughs> at the end of the day well yutaka thank you so much for coming on to our show and sitting down with me and having a nice chat about international supply chain and resilient supply chains hopefully and you know, what does that mean? And what are some of the trends that are out there? It's It's been enlightening. And I thank you very much. Thank you very much, Sarah. I also enjoyed the conversation. Great. Well, be sure to follow us on LinkedIn and our other socials and tune in to our next episode. See you all soon. Bye-bye. <music>